right, we're First here. Podcast. We got some high quality audio going on. Yeah, we're in a car. All right, Eddie. All right. Tell us about your. All right, so you, you're just uh, newly newly coming out as as a socialist. I'm Ed, and I'm a socialist. What are you, Andrew? Introduce um, yourself. Well, I, I guess I identify as a conservative, but uh, more I'm I'm a. Well, the way I was looking at it was George Bush, George H. W. Bush conservative, which, uh, in contrast to Reagan, right? Reagan was very very far right, and yeah. uh, George H. W. Bush was kind of like, um, I guess what the same same amplitude as as Biden is uh, away from the center. Yeah. Whereas, kind of honestly, I think Biden's more right. I think Reagan pushed a lot of people all very right. And the Democrats now are not as left as people think they are. Like, especially in most countries outside the United States, even Bernie Sanders is, like, a centrist in those countries. Yeah, that's a little overkill. Right, I think, I mean, um... Well, well wait, so I'll say this. Right, so that a lot of the Scandinavian countries are used as that model example for... Sure. As, for what works in, uh, or essentially well, a socialist economy, but... I would actually say that they're more of a compromise between us and a socialist country. A better example of a socialist country would be, like, a Vietnam. Like, uh, pre-coup Bolivia was a good example with oh, under Evo Morales. Yeah, that, you, that gives um, me nightmares. <laughs> I don't, it shouldn't. It, they were, for five years, experiencing uh, personal wage growth of about 20%. A lot of his policies actually um, expanded the economy in Bolivia, but yeah, but it just doesn't sound like sound. It doesn't sound like a place I would want to live, right? As whereas in America right now, it's a place I would want to live. The Scandinavian countries really not that bad. Yeah, sure, higher taxes, better healthcare, no doubt, but realistically, not a bad place to live as well. Um, right, all these places that I would want to live long term, uh, almost I'd say model examples for for uh capitalist countries um and i think i think the uh, the most obvious example for mm-hmm. capitalism versus communism is is the koreas right north north versus south um sure and i i think it, i mean even south korea is still more of a social uh democracy because they still have a lot more welfare i mean any place has more welfare programs than we do and they do it better and uh, if you look into it, you can find that they experience a lot of economic growth more than we do. We have a pretty much a GDP increase of about 1% a year. And other countries that institute more welfare programs actually experience closer to a 5% GDP growth. I mean, Vietnam's experiencing a 5% GDP growth this year in, with the pandemic. So uh, Right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of these, these countries um, have very high caliber people in them. I oh, think, uh, absolutely. You wouldn't want to discount that. Whereas America, I, I think there's a lot of uh, low intelligence people. And yeah, I think, uh, absolutely. It would, I mean, also South South Korea is one of those companies where uh, they're much less agrarian than uh, definitely Central America, Central United States. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right. So you can really see a, a GDP GDP per capita that's very very strong when mm-hmm. you have a whole bunch of people focused on innovative technologies. Um, yeah, absolutely. But personally, I think that increasing innovation and giving people and like increasing entrepreneurship comes with giving people a larger safety net. And I think if you allow people like basic freedoms, like if you gave them individual universal health care, they wouldn't be worried about 
quitting their job that ties in healthcare. Right. So they wouldn't have to necessarily worry about that when providing for their family and pursuing their own either inventions or starting their own company. And I think that even, of course there's always risk with entrepreneurship, but it's still, it puts the risk in other areas as opposed to, Hey, if this doesn't work out, my family can't pay rent. We don't have health insurance. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think, uh, that's very well put. I think it, it does promote uh, entrepreneurship in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I think where you lose it is, and I'm not saying in a massive, massive way, but I think um, you, I don't think you benefit from entrepreneurship when you have a situation where, <laughs> um, what am I saying? Oh, where you end up having to tax the wealthy at a ridiculous, ridiculous rate. And yeah, I mean, you can always make the argument that people don't need X amount of money, but mm-hmm. um, people want to, people want that amount of money so they can have different experiences and different, different possessions. Sure. And I think I, I support that. I, I lean more towards a situation where, right, if you take the risk, if you take the risk, you're mm-hmm. entitled to the reward. Um, sure. And, and that's where, that's where my beliefs are. And I think, uh, I think it's worth supporting for that reason, yes. and I think for the most part, most people mm-hmm. um, are, are deserving of that. And and it's we haven't really had too many issues with entrepreneurship in America as it is. I think we've had. I feel like we've had a lot of issues with entrepreneurship and breaking it because it's pretty much the majority of industries are impossible to break into. The cost of starting a new business in any industry, aside from maybe retail is so great like imagining imagine trying to start a new car company that would be i would think impossible to start like by yourself with your personal resources right right but at the same time what what would you what would your car company do different that's even worth considering right so unless you're what does any car company do different that's interesting it's like generally design of the car there's not too much innovation in cars plus you can't have an exorbitant amount of miles per gallon because then that harms the oil industry, which they can't profit off oh, of that's it. Not they, a, that's not a real issue, though. I think that would become an issue if... Well, and we've well, seen, so, well, we'll circle back, right? So, obviously, entrepreneurship drives innovation, right? If you're just going to create something that exists already, right, whether it's cars or, or airplanes or, or the newest, like, garbage bin, right? Like, mm-hmm. that, that's not innovative. But you can always find a place where if you are trying to innovate, um, that you can just do some basic entrepreneurship, make some cash on the side. And if it's actually a legitimate idea that people can benefit from, uh, I think you'll, you'll find that, that it works and that, that America is really one of the best countries in the world to, to do that. I actually, I disagree with that. And here's why I think if the industry is large enough and the companies that have a majority share in that industry are large enough, they stifle innovation at every point. I firmly believe that renewable energy is more cost efficient, cheaper, and just better overall than using fossil fuels. However, uh, industries like the oil industry and companies like BP and Shell and Exxon put an X amount of money into making sure that uh, they lobby Congress people to ensure that they don't invest in renewable energy. They lobby car companies so they don't increase the gas mileage too much. Like, we've seen that cars are possible. 
Well, all right, to... so let me cut you off there. Right? Okay. So obviously, renewable energy is good in some applications, but isn't isn't the be all and end all, right? It's not the. I mean, what, realistically, solar is not 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 the way that's going to save the world, right? Just because of the mass inefficient inefficiencies of it. Um, yeah, granted, you can pull some energy from solar, and you can mm-hmm. use that energy in. Um, whether it's running a house or, or running running um, whatever you're going to use it for. But you're, realistically, you're not going to ever be able to run a car off of solar energy. Okay. Maybe not. But we've seen electric cars that use no gas and they run for longer than gas-powered cars. But what I'm saying is... If uh, something no, I like agree. that, I agree with you. I think um, were to be in every car, cars are going to be great. We wouldn't need the oil industry, is what I'm saying. Uh, like they would lose the amount of profits they become I, I accustomed think that's to. Hypothetical, right? What, right. So I think electric cars are really, really great, and I think that you, we're going to see exponential growth in that area. Sure. Right. I think Tesla makes a great product, and people want to be seen in them. People want to buy them. People want to uh, be involved with the brand. Mm-hmm. But realistically, the, the electric cars come with their own downsides, which is long road trips, which most people don't do on a very regular basis. Yep. But those same amount of people do at least once a year. Yeah. Right. In which case, what do you do when you have to go drop your kid off at college? Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to go 500 miles or maybe even further. Yeah. Right. Because at 500 miles, I guess, with the supercharging. Uh, you can make work, right? You go 250, uh, and you, you sit down, you eat lunch, you charge mm-hmm. up your car, you go another 250, um, and you, you, you essentially do the thing in, rever- in reverse. But I think the convenience, especially because we have gas stations all over the place, and it takes four minutes to fill up your gas from the moment you open, the, like turn your car off to turn it back on, sure. right? It's extremely quick, extremely convenient. People know how it works. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, I trust me. I, I I've looked at electric cars. I think they're great. I really, really do. And mm-hmm. I, uh, but I mean, realistically, what do you, what do you do when you have to go further than 200 miles? I mean, of miles? course you'd have to recharge your car. And of course that's like, I mean, slightly different than refilling your tank, but I think it's a chicken before the egg situation where if there were a more, uh, demand for electric cars, there would be more electric refilling stations. And when there's more electric filling stations, once again, there are more people buying electric cars. Yeah. And all right. So I hold up. It, I also, okay. So you touched on demand for electric cars. I think uh, demand for cars is is low, right? Realistically, a lot of people sure buy used cars. Yeah. Right. A lot of, of course, people don't drive or whatever yeah, the case. And is, And since right? electric is newer, a lot of those old cars are probably not going to be electric. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of the Basically, the entire used, regardless, right? The auto manufacturers don't benefit at all from someone buying a used car. Sure. Right. They only they're only focused on the sale of new cars. Yes. Right. So you but also got you. you what you I'm got, saying it's is such a small market. I think as it is. Okay, I'm talking about relative to that market. If that market was more dominated by electric cars, another market like the oil industry would see negative benefits from it. So if I was a big oil company, I would try to stifle the production uh, and advertisement and marketing of electric cars because I know I won't get any profits from someone driving an electric car. If you switch from a gas to an electric, 
I, as an oil company, won't get your monthly, right, your weekly okay. yeah. money yes, yes, getting yes. spent. I on understand. Gas. I understand what you're you're saying. Yeah, I don't think it's as dramatic as you make it out to be. I think uh, there's so many other well, applications for oil power. Uh, okay. That realistically, electric cars, or electric batteries, mm-hmm. will never, ever, ever be able to okay. fill. I then we can talk about a different industry. Actually, the smoking industry is a good example of this. Uh, people switch over from cigarettes to jewels in large numbers, and Jewel very famously does not lobby Congress. However, the cigarette industry very famously lobbies Congress. So, Congress has placed restrictions on Jewel pods, banning. Stuff like mango and other flavors, so people will buy less jewels and hurt that industry because the tobacco industry right, knows well, hold that, hold that it's taking. I think, regardless of, first of all, smoking's not good for you. Oh, sure. I'm right? just saying how, but uh, where jewel ran into issues, and I think I, I support what the government said on this. Mm-hmm. They said the jewel jewels were marketing to to kids, right? And I think if you look at a lot of their through advertisements, mm-hmm. it is much more clearly advertised towards someone who's um, our age or younger mm-hmm. than it is targeted towards our parents. Okay. I Which think... is statistically a generation that has more smokers in it. Okay. I think that's an example of doing something relatively good for, I think, the wrong reasons. I don't think they would have said anything if they weren't lobbied and paid for by... An industry that was hurting from the immense popularity of jewel pods. I think I, I don't know if that's true, man. I don't know if it's true, right? Realistically, okay. you can't market tobacco products, highly addictive products, to middle schoolers. Sure, you absolutely can't. And I middle think schoolers, same, middle schoolers weren't smoking cigarettes. I think the same rules should apply for jewels and cigarettes, and you shouldn't be able to create advertisements for them. There shouldn't be any commercials for them. Uh, I don't, I completely agree with that long-term, we've studied the long-term effects of tobacco and cigarettes and not necessarily jewels or newer, but, um, where am I going with this? Um, actually, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, regardless, right? Like, like we, we agreed on, I'm sure we could also talk about how long it took uh, the government come around on tobacco, right? And say, yeah, it's really not good for you. Yeah, um, but it's why it but, took them so long to come around on tobacco. It was all the te- tobacco yeah, but, companies paying for their campaign. And I think, like, I mean, that's an entirely different... Campaign finance is an entirely different issue than just this. But I think, like, something like Congress passing laws banning jewel pods quicker than they were to condemn the tobacco industry, even though the effects were pretty well known at the time is like if your if your industry and your company is big enough you can influence other industries that might negatively impact your industry uh yeah i guess but th- i think that's more theoretical than than legitimate than than actually what happens in, in practice okay. i can i actually okay i disagree with it right but- i think most of the, i think most of the businesses out there mm-hmm. with, that are really crazy large right and i'm not talking about mom and pop shops i'm talking about yeah. right the apples the amazons and microsoft's absolutely um i think they they are granted a a certain privilege mm-hmm. that comes with being the same the size that they are but at the same time that 
that size is what's what allows them to employ however many people, 50,000 people or 100,000 or 200,000 people, right? Same thing with sure. with uh, Jamie Dimon, right? J.P. Morgan CEO. Sure. Being allowed to be in contact with the president, right? Yeah. J.P. Morgan employs 150,000 people in the United States alone or something like that, right? Yes. It's such a ridiculously large number of people that like, you have to you have to give them priority in a sense like yeah, they 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 hold so much influence over normal citizens. Okay. I think the problem with I think and it, right, it's I the think, same problem, but I think the solution is wrong in how they enforce it. I don't think you should be bailing out necessarily the companies. I think you should be bailing out the people. Because as long as you keep bailing oh, out the out, companies... So you're just talking about right, to the argument on too big to fail? Yes. Okay, okay. yeah. I guess, I guess I do want to go back to that. Okay, cool. I think the problem... I think... I mean, there's a million problems with too big to fail. But the problem is it's that companies are almost like holding someone's employment hostage from the government to get bailouts that we've seen time and time again. Well, it's right, so mostly the executives specifically. Are you okay. We can talk about recently the hotel industry and the airline industry specifically. And I mean, we can even go back to 2008, a lot of the banks and the real estate industry bailing them out. I mean, yeah, you can absolutely. We've talk seen about that even after those companies received the bailouts that were too big to fail, supposedly, they still laid off massive amounts of workers. And you can see how the top executives took massive uh, payouts for themselves at the expense of a lot of the people they were threatening to lay off if they didn't get a bailout. I think it's more important to bail out the people. I think in a time like a pandemic, a UBI is a great. Uh, way to bail out the people and make sure that they're at least given some assistance for rent and groceries and stuff like that. But I mean, personally, I think there should be a universal health care. Uh, I think we're getting we're getting away from too big to fail, right? Okay. Yes, but right. I was saying so. So too big to fail, right? So if sure. we look at Boeing. Sure. Or I don't know who else. What what hotel were you thinking about? Um, I mean, we could just talk about All the. Right. We'll talk about we'll talk about Boeing, right? Sure. So for Let's example, Boeing. Boeing employs. However many Americans, mm-hmm. probably a hundred thousand. Okay. Right. Um, and they produce a product mm-hmm. that, where essentially the they they ran into a situation where they had a, a compilation of three or four mistakes all at once. Okay. Right. One one of them being that one of their airplanes, uh, was broken, and they sold a whole bunch of them, and then obviously. Okay. Uh, the world travel market uh, essentially declined really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, Boeing, I think, is one of those situations, right? Uh, the way Jim Cramer said it was, Boeing is a national treasure. In sure. the sense that it's just so big and applies so many people. Okay. Uh, and it's held by, I mean, X amount of 401ks. Sure. Right? Where if you were to let it fail, it would have more devastating impacts mm-hmm. on citizens than it would be to just prop them up for a temporary time being right so whether i i believe it was i don't know i'd just be making up a number but realistically that the amount of time they're propped up for is probably only a year probably no longer than than two right so like i said right a couple billion dollars um or i don't know how much it was but probably a couple hundred million dollars or a billion a couple billion Mm -hmm. dollars right that 
you pump into this company, but realistically gets redistributed amongst the, um, I guess the the uh, the well re, uh, throughout the company. It gets redistributed okay. throughout the company, and you run it. You have a situation where the CEO publicly says uh, he's not going to take a salary. Okay. He steps down at the end of it, uh, at the end of whatever halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and realistically, like I mean. He, he wasn't necessarily entitled to what he his compensation if he wasn't going to do a good job. And okay. uh, the board kicked him out. And, uh, yeah, realistically, he he had some shares of Boeing. Okay. And Boeing was punished by the stock market mm-hmm. uh, pretty pretty heavily. Okay. Uh, and realistically, like, the real, uh, someone, the CEO didn't see a whole bunch of that billions or millions of dollars that came from the government. I believe he did take uh, a severance package for him stepping down. Okay, severance is different. Yeah. Because uh, right, everyone gets okay. severance, right? That, that's different. Sure. But right, realistically, he didn't get paid for the work that he did or work that he didn't do. Right, so we're in a situation now where I think you end up with a trickle-up account economy, as Andrew Yang would say, right? Where you give money to the people, and they, they go out and spend it in their local economies. Okay. Whereas if you were to let Boeing fail... Okay. Right? So, obviously, the X amount of people that work for Boeing all yes. are now unemployed. Okay. And have to, uh, well, essentially flood the job market, trying to find jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, most in pretty similar industries, most likely. Um... And then, uh, so like these people have no income for the time being and realistically can't contribute to their local economies. And then also, uh, like I said, the four, the investment aspect of that, right? Mm -hmm. X amount of 401ks, um, X amount of, uh, well, basically I think the 401k is, um, the only, the only form of of investing that you should feel bad for, right? Because the people who own 401ks are... The, the, basically the people who don't understand investing right so I, I guess everyone owns 401ks but for the people who don't under understand investing 401ks is all that they have yeah right so okay. it's you almost gotta kind of treat that like uh a too big to fail business in which case like you can't just say like oh if you're invested then it's money that you should have been willing to lose Right, and then essentially get ripped off in the four hundred one k. Because essentially, I mean that that that's what happened with um, Bernie Madoff. Yeah, it's right. Okay, before you move on, cool. sorry. Yeah, I want to go back to how uh, two week to fail is pretty much you're giving a bailout to a company, and pretty much under the assumption that they're not going to lose as many jobs as if the company fails. Well, all right. So uh, you also, I'm sorry, you also mentioned that. Um, these companies end up laying off a lot of people. Yes. I'm sure they trim the fat, but it's it's such a mo- small, small, small margin mm-hmm. that it, I don't think it can be realistically compared to if you just let this company fail. And I realistically, okay. I realistically, I think the government balances out and says, is it more of a net positive to give this company a billion dollars than it is to let this company fail. Okay. And, I, and realistically, I think, I think they got smart people in government. They don't necessarily do a lot, but they, they're I pretty smart. And they can actually figure think out that's that basic wrong. math. I think that's the wrong thing to do because let's say you give Boeing a bailout. Let's say they lay off out of their 100,000 hard times, they lay off 10,000. 
I don't think they cut 10%. Okay. Whoever they cut... I don't think they cut five. I think it's realistically probably maxed out at three. I could be totally wrong on that, but realistically, I think it's probably only... it's three, there are no protections for those 3,000 people who are now jobless. Except for severance. Who have... Okay, they get severance if they're laid off, but they now don't have health care. They don't have their 401k anymore because it's part of the severance package. They don't have any rental insurance. No, no, They're no. pretty much you still maintain your four hundred one k. Your four hundred one k is tied to you as an individual. Okay, yeah, sorry, you're right. Um, but there are no protections for that person. I think giving protections for a company at the expense of giving it to an individual person is just better. Once again, for okay, the but what's the solution the to it? Realistically, I don't know if this is a problem that needs a, a, a real solution. Right, so what's the solution for it? Okay, so Boeing, as you know, was engaged in a lot of stock buybacks, right? Uh, yeah, so is every company under the sun. Yes, and that's wrong. That's It's not good to do for a company. Why? It's If you're investing 96% of your profits, as Boeing did, into buying back stock instead of giving it to your employees or giving any sort of bonuses or benefits in that way... It invests more in the board members and people who own stock in the company. It's pretty much implementing yourself in almost a pyramid scheme. If you're just taking your profits and putting them back into just the stock of the company. Okay, so that- I, I disagree with that. I disagree. I think, that, I mean, the, this goes back to basic risk and reward of investing for me, right? So sure. The shareholders, right? The people yes. who own stock in your company. Yes. Are the owners of the business. Yes. In which case, right, the way a business owner gets compensated is, right, like revenue minus expenses, Mm -hmm. right, assets minus liabilities equals equity, right? Yeah. So that's everything, everything positive about those numbers. Sure. The owners are entitled to. Okay. In which case, right, realistically, every single person who is employed at Boeing has a contract. Sure. That says they are going to receive this amount of money on this pay scale. Mm-hmm. And the essentially right, and then also it says that they can they can quit at any time and they can they can get fired at any time. Okay. Right? Realistically, beyond that, right, and the benefits that are provided mm-hmm. to them, Boeing doesn't owe them anything else. Okay. I disagree. Right? No, well, I think what I'm the people is, who provide the labor for the company should be entitled to more financial protections than the people who are not contributing to the company other than receiving part of the profits from the company. I don't think... And there's should... nothing that says that these people who are employed at Boeing can't go and buy Boeing stock. Okay. And realistically, if Boeing is doing a good job, they should go buy Boeing stock. In which case, they are entitled to everything... Okay. Or they they become an owner of the company. Okay. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with investing in essentially becoming an owner of a company. I personally I personally think there should be I think the bailouts for a company only help people who have invested in the company. And they don't help the people who actually work for the company. I I disagree. I disagree. Because I think if you saw what happened to Boeing's share price, 
I think it was probably halved, if not more. I think, and it deserved to. Yeah, I stock agree. buybacks I think are it might an have efficient gone from business practice to about ten. Abs- and it should have. Right, it was dramatically, it dramatically have. lowered. But the problem but that's is the same thing with with General Motors, man. In two thousand eight, right when okay. the big, huge car company. Yes. Which, and I mean, you still see they were the given a bailout, and they still laid people off who had still to. haven't financially recovered from the two thousand eight. I completely agree. So many of the people who were laid off and who lost their homes after the 2008 crash still haven't financially recovered. And then to address the companies like Uh, GM and and the banks. At that point, though, dude, it's been 10 years, right? You got to figure it out. You can't rebuild wealth in 10 years. It's not like it's easy like that. Nobody invested 100% of their income. Regardless, uh, yes, you can rebuild wealth in 10 years. Right. So that's one thing. You absolutely can, but I also mean, at the same time, your all your investments aren't tied up in General Motors or in one company at all. Sure, but if your employment is tied up in General Motors and you don't have any safety net because there's no universal health care, there's no UBI, there's no rental insurance, and you lose your job with all of those things, you're kind of shit out of luck. You have nothing. You have pretty much your severance and the hope that the industry improves well enough for you to get a job. At maybe your old company, like all there we're aver- right now in the pandemic, we're averaging about a million new unemployment claims a week. Okay, so what's the solution, man? Right, so you're saying right in in terms of when you get when you get laid off. Yes, you're suggesting a UBI. Okay, yes, I think unemployment benefits should be definitely increased. Well, what's wrong with unemployment as it is? Isn't it a sufficient amount of money to survive and exist? It's not. And we're seeing it's not by the amount of people It seems who, like it is now. It's not. A third, it's over than, 30 million people are going to get evicted from their homes. Because unemployment and those programs are not are enough. They, all right, are they getting evicted because they don't have jobs or because they're not paying rent? Uh, I think one's tied to the other. Yes, but at the same time, right? There's a contract that says you are going to pay the landlord a thousand bucks a month, or okay, hundred bucks a month, right? So you have to maintain your end of the contract, okay? Right? Because realistically, the landlord, if you are not maintaining the contract, he's he's allowed to kick you out. Okay. Okay. A few things. First of all, fuck landlords. Second of all, okay, yeah, great. Um, if you don't want to rent, buy your own house. Um. Two, if you're if there's something like a pandemic in a massive amount of co- the country is you're seeing unemployed, unable to pay your rent. That's not a problem with renters. That's a problem with the country. That's a problem with unemployment. And you're seeing like 30 million renters can't all be the problem if they're not receiving the economy is at a standstill. People aren't right. Hiring. But we're in a situation where the government is paying its citizens more money than they were making at their jobs. No, they are not anymore. They're not. First of all, and that's actually, I don't think that's a argument against unemployment. I think that's an argument against unfair pay for the jobs. No, 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 I know. I know a lot of people that were arguing that unemployment was too high because people were making more. I think that's a problem with how much people were making at their jobs if you're making more from unemployment. I think people should always have been getting an extra $600 with their unemployment each week. And I think people should be paid while they're working even more than that. 
I think that would okay, oh. but at a certain point, right? So there's certain level, certain jobs that aren't worth eighty thousand dollars a year. Okay. Right. I, I, essentially, if you are a preschool teacher, right? I'm not saying that that job is not important. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everyone can do that job. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that that person, the the value that they are are providing. Mm-hmm. Is not a million dollars a year worth okay. of, of value. But I don't think your value in your employment and what your job is should be tied with how much profit you bring to the people who work above you. I think teachers should be paid at least $100,000 a year. I think teaching is incredibly important. And every single person in the country has had to experience multiple teachers who have pretty much given them the skills and tools they use to go do other jobs. And right, I think, right, right, right. But I, I, at the same time, I think it's largely in part due to how many people want to become teachers. I don't think so. I don't think it's the... Well, Ed, realistically, if there weren't that many people willing to become teachers, you could pay them $100,000, right? Sure. If, if teaching really and that's stopped. why I think but capitalism I think is you're unethical. In a situation, you're in a situation where you, people are graduating from TCNJ at a rate of, whatever, 1,000 teachers a year. Sure. Right. Realistically, if there's not a thousand jobs, you get into a a bidding war of how low of a salary are you willing to take if you're still going to be a teacher? I think that's unethical. I think capitalism in that way is unethical because you're pretty much exploiting someone's need for employment by paying them as little as you possibly can for them to do work. But that's not capitalism. That's the entirely school runs capitalism. the government. Uh, the government runs the school. Not necessarily. They're pretty much. Teachers are paid below the poverty line in states like West Virginia. The government runs the school. The government doesn't make give out what schools are supposed to pay teachers. It's based on the taxes that are based on your income and the property taxes. But Ed, that's all the government. Okay, and the government should distribute that better. First of all, the education budget okay, should never be Okay, but this slashed. isn't a problem with capitalism this as, as so much as it is okay. the problem with the government not being able to handle their money. I think... Okay, I think you're taking the wrong thing from it. I think the, the fact that capitalism is, if there is a bunch of people who want a job, I can keep negotiating the price down as low as I possibly can, ethical or not, as long as at least one person will take it. Right. I think that's unethical. Ed, but that's like... Because then you not have... not unethical on, okay. on the business owner's point or the, the It absolutely point. is. Because well, it Ed, involves... Ed. you. In order to make the amount of profits that a lot of businesses have to do, you have to be exploiting your workers to some degree. You can, I disagree. You can look at industries like education and say, okay, they chose to be teachers. They're being paid just enough to survive arguably, in some states. Well, but, Ed, there's nothing that says you have to take a minimum wage job. Sure. There's nothing that says that you have to take but a job But then you're looking at industries like the farming industries where they pay migrant farm workers a dollar per bushel and sometimes less than $20 a day. Like, it's an exploitive industry and they're pretty much using someone's citizenship, someone's desperation for employment as a means to pay them almost nothing. You can look at prison employment and how they're paid three cents an hour uh <laughs> first prisoners don't have the same same rights as an american they should uh 
I think they they absolutely should. I don't know about that. Because... But regardless, let's get back to normal citizens. Okay. Normal citizens. That doesn't mean someone who is not a citizen. Okay. First of all, before that, I think... Before we move on to that, I I think that prisoners should be allowed to vote, except for violent offenders. And I think they should not be forced to do labor for three cents an hour. I don't think they are forced. Literally slavery. But I don't think they are forced. But also... I don't think that if you are in prison that you should be allowed to vote. But we'll circle back to that, right? So we're okay. talking about normal Americans, mm-hmm. right? We'll say me and me and Johnny. Sure, you right? and Johnny. Both go to school and we study similar things and we're coming out and we're out for the same job. Sure. Now, the business owner has this, the right mm-hmm. to say, hey, we have one job. It offers $50,000 a year. Sure. Um, and Johnny says, I'll take $49,000 a year. That business owner is totally allowed to hire Johnny. Yeah, I think that's a terrible practice. Give Johnny $50,000 a year. He's obviously bringing in, as a worker, more in production than he's being paid. Like, every but Ed, worker. You, Ed, you, for most jobs, you're allowed to negotiate. I know you're allowed to negotiate. I know there's nothing that is stopping Johnny, Johnny from, from asking for fifty one thousand. I understand from, that for for asking for anything, but also at the same time, as a business owner, how can you afford to take all the risk? And yeah, Johnny might pull in more than fifty thousand dollars a year, right? Say he pulls in a thousand, or, or he's projected to pull in a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. Right. One either Johnny can go out and do the work on his own and not have a boss, mm-hmm. right, and make that full one hundred thousand dollars a year. Sure. But the employer can't say, Johnny, I'm definitely going to pay you $100,000 a year, and you may or may not deliver on that $100,000. Because it would would not make sense. Okay. How could he do that? He could not do that. You're talking about a maximum performance and him doing it every time. Okay? No, I'm saying, realistically, if you have a projected production, Mm -hmm. I can't pay you that projected production... Because if there's a chance that you don't deliver, then I'm out of out of money. Right? Right. Okay. So basically But you're not doing the work Johnny is. But I'm the one paying Johnny and taking the risk. Right? Because pro- at this okay. point, Johnny has no risk. He's at the end of the year going to have fifty thousand dollars in his bank account. Right? So like I said, if you are the business owner and you take the risk, you are entitled to the reward. I don't think so. I don't think... I think you should absolutely be compensated for the full amounts of your labor. You should own it all. And the people who profit off Johnny someone else's is labor... Allowed, Johnny is allowed to okay. start his own business. Once we've also talked about... We just talked about how much risk there is in starting your own business because there's no safety net. Right. But if, but you, if, if you have started a business, it's most likely because you had the capital to... And also because you are not taking as much of a financial risk as Johnny, who is clearly just out of college. There's a lot of jobs that do not require... There's a lot of businesses that do not require a lot of capital. Like what? Uh, Facebook was started with no capital. Okay. Facebook is a one in a million company. Uh, Yeah, like many of them. Sure. Um... But a large majority of those software companies were mm-hmm. started with no capital. Actually, I'm pretty sure the large majority of companies out there were started with little capital. I right? In disagree. a lot of cases, 
I think you would find in most cases. Any shark tank company was started with under $10,000 in capital. Okay, and they weren't anything until someone invested an obscene amount of money into them and spread that. Uh, Yeah, but that's how a lot of businesses go. Well, yeah, because you naturally need capital. And that pretty much prevents someone who doesn't have... Yeah, we need to lower the windows. We, it prevents someone without that capital from starting their own business. And it prevents newer ideas from someone who happens to be poor from reaching the same success and uh, market value as someone with more capital. Well, if you're going to look at these large, large, large companies, right, that are mm-hmm. billions of dollars in market cap, market sure. in size, right, it's not going to matter if you start off with $10,000 or if you start off with a hundred thousand dollars. I think there's a huge difference between starting. No, it doesn't matter because they're they're both just huge, huge, huge quantities to get to the that endpoint. You can't compare ten thousand dollars to a hundred thousand. You could buy so much more with a hundred thousand dollars than you can with ten thousand. Like Jeff Bezos started Amazon with a crisp quarter million dollars from his parents. Not everyone's able to do that. And the fact that Jeff Bezos was able to keep incurring a loss in order to pretty much gain almost a monopoly on a bunch of different industries is an example of how he was given an advantage that people with only $10,000 weren't able to afford. I disagree. I disagree. I think you discount how easy it is to build a company like Amazon. I think you are a little biased in your disdain for Amazon. And I think that, uh, I mean, there's no argument arguing that people from poorer, poorer backgrounds are not entrepreneurs at the same rates as people from wealthier backgrounds. They're not. Yeah, that's what I said. But what I am saying is that essentially the, if you where you go write checks for people in in these poor company in these poor areas mm-hmm. you would fail at almost the same exact or basically you would probably fail at the same exact rate as you would in in a larger com- in in a large in a wealthier sample size I don't think okay I think that comes from your belief that wealthier people are inherently smarter and no, I don't no, think no, that's no. true I think it I think it doesn't... Well, also, I do think that's true. But also, I'll uh, rewind it back, and I'll say it it a different way. I'll say it a different way. Realistically, it is so hard to start a billion-dollar company... Sure. ...that even if you are one of the smartest kids coming out of an Ivy League school, Mm -hmm. working in industry, right? Like, most of them Mm -hmm. can't end up like Jeff Bezos. Most of them won't. Okay. And realistically, I think Jeff Bezos, for taking the risk that he did, is entirely entitled to being a billionaire. I don't think he quite took the risk that everyone thinks he took. Uh, I I really do think he did, right? He left a very high-paying job. Sure. And came pretty close to bankruptcy. Okay. And largely relied on family relations. Who gave him a quarter-million-dollar investment? Yes, but I think... I think the quarter million dollar investment is the most important part of starting Amazon. I and I think you could take any other company that is at that level 
and they would have a similar story. I think you could uh, talk about Elon Musk being the heir to an well, emerald about, diamond how mine. How about we talk about how about we talk about Ray Dalio? I don't know who Ray Dalio is. So Ray Dalio runs Bridgewater Associ- Bridgewater Associates. Okay. Bridgewater, um, which is a hedge fund. Okay. Um, and he's a billionaire. Okay. And around 2008, he was so broke, he had to borrow $4,000 from his, his parents to pay, uh, pay his rent. Okay. Right. So we're talking about a guy who has okay. nothing. virtually nothing. Guy's got no right? money. Yeah. But he's a billionaire. Okay. I think he is more similar to Jeff Bezos in the way that he acts and carries himself and the way he goes about his everyday life mm-hmm. than the normal person is. I disagree. I think... I re- Realistically, I think that if someone came came by, came to you and said, mm-hmm. Ed, here's $250,000, you are not going to make the next Amazon. I think I would have a better chance of making the next Amazon than a top graduate of UPenn Wharton would... If I had a quarter million dollars and he didn't, I think if you look at start the success of a company, especially a new one, you'll find that a larger capital and personal wealth is more tied to success than intelligence. Uh, yes. Yeah. Fine. Right. And I think you'll find but especially family think... connections as being almost as important as wealth. Uh, yeah, I think they go hand in hand, but I will say this. I will say this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you can say that, um, I guess where am I going with this? Realistically, you can't say that person is, that person comes from money, so I... So their success is discounted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. You can't say that and you can't say that if my parent, if my dad had as much money as his dad, I would be just as, just as successful. Because it doesn't one, it doesn't solve any problems, and two, that's just like, all right, great. Now, now what? Okay, I think actually you're making a couple different arguments. I think if you were to say, if my dad made as much as his dad, and his dad, and also invested in me the way his dad did, you would probably have actually as high of a chance of making something like Amazon as someone like that. I think okay, we can get off ripping on Amazon, but. I think that... I, mean, I think you say whatever you want about Amazon. Jeff Bezos isn't going to give a fuck because he's got $200, $200 billion. He's not going to give a fuck that you're defending him either. So he's going to give just as little a fuck about either of us. Yeah, but I think at the same time, like... I know for a fact... He's entitled he to all could, the money that he has. I don't think so. It, well, I it's think realistically give, equity. It's realistically equity in Amazon. Yes. That's going to push him to, trillion, to be a trillionaire. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, and that's unethical. There's no reason he you should have that ha- amount of money. No, it, you can, it's not, just because you have money doesn't mean it's unethical. I think it is, especially considering how little his Amazon working group no, can right, pay. So time out. Time how out. much he could be giving them. Time out. Okay. He pays people the market value of the labor they provide. Okay. Otherwise, they would go somewhere else. Already exploitive. Uh, no, not if they agree to it and sign a contract. There is nobody who's holding a gun to another person's head and says, work at Amazon or I'll shoot you. Okay. Any of those people can leave at any point. Okay. 
And then we're talking about they will not get severance. They don't have health care, which most right. of them already don't You don't get severance when you quit a job. You don't get severance when you quit a job and you don't get maintain your health care. Well, one, if you don't have it. But two, also, if you quit a job, you forfeit your health care through that company. Okay. I think tying your health care to a company is wrong. Um, but also, I think Amazon is incredibly exploitive with the way they pay their workers not as much as they could for doing an incredible amount of work. They, You pretty much have to be fit, able-bodied to run around those warehouses and do the amount of work under the amount of pressure that you have to. And what and happens when, when they have robots automating all these factories? I... That's why I think... They should still keep paying these workers that aren't doing any work? I don't think robots are a problem. I think the way that we treat people as they... Every single person in the country has to work 40 hours for no pay or else they're not considered valuable. I think if we... If you found robots to do the job, fine. There's obviously going to have to be people to operate and maintain those robots, which will employ a completely new set of people and that's how capitalism is supposed to work but the problem is there are no that way there are no protections for people if they are phased out by robots and you're seeing that like right right those people are obviously still valuable and they still deserve to live and be able to have a normal life that's not their fault that technology is innovative And they shouldn't be punished for that. So yes, if you don't have skills that you can contribute to the marketplace, that is your fault. I don't think your value should be tied to how much you can contribute to a market. It's not, but your compensation is. Which is your value? No, the value provided to your family has no no financial compensation associated with that. Okay. The value, right? So of raising your kids, you're not getting paid for that. Sure. Or showing up to your, your kid's baseball game. Sure. Or helping them with their math homework. Mm-hmm. Right? So that value has no financial compensation associated sure. with it. Sure. But the value you provide to work, to companies, does. Okay. Right? The way they compensate you accordingly based on the contract you signed. Now I'm saying, right, realistically, there are no companies out there mm-hmm. who are are essentially enslaving people because these people can leave at any time. Uh, disagree. There are actually a lot of companies that use prison labor at three cents an hour, which is pretty And those people do not need to do the labor. They can sit in their, they can sit and do whatever that else is, is offered to them. Okay. If they want to call their, uh, family members, it's over a dollar 50 an hour. Keep in mind they've been paid three cents an hour. Ed, you're not going to appeal to me because there's such a small, small population of people in prison, but also at the same time... There's not. We have the highest per capita prison rate in the entire world. At how many? Um, I don't know the exact number. I just know that we have the highest. Yeah. We also have the, what, the third or fourth most people in a country? Uh, per capita, that shouldn't affect per capita. Okay, fine. Also, uh, you're right, you're right. You're absolutely correct. But at the same time, it's very hard for me to feel empathy for prisoners. Because one, I don't know anyone who's gone to prison. Two, I don't plan on going to prison. And also three, uh, these these are people who are largely not as intelligent. I disagree. Uh, how many... I, I think you would find that the average prisoner 
uh, or not the average, but I think you would find that the high school degrees per capita of a prisoner is not as high as the per capita people who have high school degrees outside of prison. Okay, I think that's... And I think high school degrees is an indicator of how intelligent someone is, just like how many people have bachelor's degrees. Yeah, and sure, it's not a perfect metric, but I think it's a fair metric. I think that's more tied to class than it is to intelligence. Um, and I think it's easier to get a degree, especially a high school diploma, well, as well as a bachelor's. I would say the average person who graduates high school is smarter than the person who didn't, and the average person who graduated college is smarter than the person who didn't. And same thing for master's degrees and PhDs and or MDs or whatever you, whatever okay. you want to look at. The I still, more degrees someone has, I still has, think the you'll more find s- that the rates are, are tied to how much the family makes and how much money they've come from as opposed to performance. And okay, I think fine. it's... Yes, yes, but I, at the same time, think, those people are smarter. I don't think so. No, these people who score better on their SATs tend to go... First of all, the SATs were created by eugenicist, who was also a racist, oh, who created gosh. a test in the 1920s hey. to try and determine that white people were smarter than black and people. And it changes every year. It doesn't change every year. It does change every it year. It doesn't. It changed one time, and you'll find that the rates for people no, who do better true. on the SATs the on are the from SAT. richer families. Yes. 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 You'd also find that the people who are wealthier go to better schools. Yes. And contribute to society more when they graduate. Okay. Once in your time, okay. So based on contribution all these... to how much money they make, which is tied to. Their degree, which is tied to the high school, which is tied from what they've already come from financially. Would you disagree that someone who makes more money Mm -hmm. is more likely than not smarter than someone who makes less money? No. You would... All right, then I'm going to explode it and make it... I'm going to exaggerate it, right? Sure, okay. Would you agree that someone who makes $70,000 a year... Mm -hmm. As a computer software engineer, is more intelligent than someone who makes minimum wage. Okay, I don't think tying intelligence. Okay, I think what you're trying. I think you're making a fair point. I think tying the worth of someone's labor to their intelligence is. I think that's a different argument than saying. Um, I'm not saying it's the same as being able to contribute value, but I am saying they are correlated. I think you will find that the dumbest people in society tend to more often than not make less money than people who are smarter. Okay. And I'm not saying the smartest people in society have the highest net worth. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that there is a trend and I think, yeah, you can also draw a trend between the smarter people in society and how much money their parents made. Yeah. I also think there's a correlation between that too. I don't think also think there's a correlation between having a single, a single family, a single parent household in your ability to graduate high school or your ability, ability to stay out of, stay out of, uh, which is also a class issue, which is also a race issue. And there's nothing that says that you have to divorce or divorce your wife. There's nothing that says that, well, basically, you you impregnating a girl sure, and then never being a part of that child's life has nothing to do with how much money you make. Nothing to do with that. Okay. Right? So if you want to keep kids in school through 12th grade, mm-hmm. it is largely in your, in your interest 
the the wife's interest or the the the, the woman's interest and the kids' interests to maintain a family unit. Okay. Right? And then also this goes back to what I said about high schoolers, right? Someone who graduates high school mm-hmm. is in large part smarter than someone who doesn't. And smarter people tend to out-earn dumber people. Okay. I think how much you've learned and how intelligent you are are two different things. And I think Okay, fine, but I think smarter they correlate, people tend but to I don't out, think out-earn dumber people. Sure. If my family is poor enough where I have to drop out of high school and help work to support the family, that doesn't mean I'm dumb. It just means I'm poor. I think that would be 1% of people who drop out of high school. I think that would be a majority percent of people who drop out of high school. No, I think people who drop out of high school do it for other reasons. I think it's it's most... drug reliance or... Which is, again, associated with poverty more than anything else. Uh... Don't think so. I think people use drugs at pretty much the same rates across all levels. Um, Different drugs, but drugs nonetheless. All I don't think so. I think I think uh, higher drug um, dependence is more. Uh, lower well, I mean, class. you'd have to show me the facts, but realistically, I don't think that that's true. But what I am saying is that people who are smarter deserve to make more money, it, assuming they also contribute to society more right you, okay. you get compensated based on the work you provide to the economy for okay the most part for the most part i think if you're born and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that you, you aren't entitled to get a hundred thousand dollars a year because that's what you need for for to exist uh and all you can do is flip burgers okay i think if all you can do is flip burgers you should still have be able to lead a productive comfortable life i think What's if all you can man? do is flip burgers you should be above the poverty line you should have health care and probably some sort of rental insurance okay we will always need people to flip burgers we're gonna stop eating burgers if we don't have people to flip burgers okay now ed what i'm okay, saying fine, fine. is okay let's, let's i'll concede that sure fine now let's say that this person can live a comfortable life Flipping burgers. Sure. Right? And McDonald's pays them $20 an hour. Okay. To flip burgers. Sure. What happens if this guy who's named Dave, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Fine. Sure. Dave is now a single father to two kids. Okay. And McDonald's is paying him $20 an hour to comfortably live. But now Dave has to also feed himself in addition to two other children. Okay. Two other people. Two other mouths to feed. Are you arguing arguing that McDonald's should now pay Dave $25, $30 an hour to flip burgers? If the only thing Dave can physically do is flip burgers, I think the government should provide some program that helps Dave provide for his kids. Sure, he won't live as comfortable a life as someone making $100,000. Now, what? All right, fine. Coding for a tech company. But Dave and his kids should be able to live comfortably. They should have enough to make sure they graduate high school and at best go to maybe a public, maybe a community college so that they contribute even more to society. If the kids can do more physically and mentally than flip burgers, then they should 
be given the opportunity to do so. Because if one of Dave's kids... Right, so there's nothing that says that Dave has to work at McDonald's now. Okay. Because right? at a certain point, McDonald's would say, Dave, sorry, but we can't pay you $200,000 to stand here and flip burgers. Okay. Right. First of all, Dave's point, not making $200,000. Dave's making max of $40,000 a 